going to ask you to remain standing for just a moment. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100, or maybe just call Psalm 100 to mind. You've committed this one to memory, one of the most familiar songs in all the Bible, song of praise and thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for, and we're going to be spending time doing that this week, next couple of weeks, or next week as well, thinking through how much we can be thankful and what that looks like. So I'm going to ask you to read Psalm 100 with me aloud in unison. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Thank you. You may have a seat, keeping the text in front of you there. I absolutely love the Psalms. Maybe you love them as much as I do. Uh, But there is nothing like the songs and all the Scriptures that really put words to our feelings to shape our emotions. What is our right response to God in any and every uh, circumstance in life? And Psalm 100 is really at the end of a, a mini collection of songs. Some say 95 to 100, others 93 to 100 that focus on uh, praise and thanksgiving. Exalting the King, the one who reigns. We exalt His name together. I think so often our thanksgiving is for what God has provided the benefits that we have as His children, and that's good and right when you thank God for that, but how often do we really just thank Him for who He is? Just sit, stand in His presence in awe of His grace, in awe of His love and faithfulness. The character of God really invokes our praise. It invokes our thanksgiving. And Psalm 100 really draws this out. And this is something we do individually, We're giving praise and thanks, but especially like we're doing right now, coming together corporately um, to offer praise to our God. So let's pray as we take a closer look at this psalm. Uh, Father, you are worthy, as my brother has just uh, shared uh, for us, the only one worthy of all of our praise. You've made us to worship you. You've made us to give you glory in all of life. And as you have made us individually to do this, you have brought us together, made us your people, that we might honor you, that we might live wholly before you, that more would would see and come to know you as Lord of all. And Lord, we ask your help now as we consider this great psalm. Many of us have heard from a young age We're used to reading, we're used to to memorizing it. Lord, work it into our hearts now. May we be a people of praise, a people with a shout of joy on our lips, this day and always. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Attending a church when I was younger, uh, we would often have kids' choir practice either after the Sunday school hour or during the week at some point if the choir was going to sing as part of the service. And we, we used to do the Salty the Singing Songbook. Do you remember Salty? Some of you are shaking your heads. Yeah. We used to do these things uh, as, as a church. 
or the, the kids in the church, and Mrs. Fran was gung-ho about Salty the Singing Songbook. Um, unfortunately, not all of us were as gung-ho or as dedicated as she was. And uh, my good friend Joel and I, we, we were next-door neighbors. Uh, the church and the school were within walking distance, and so uh, that was back in the day when Mom would say, hey, 15 minutes of choir practice, you know, get going, and we'd run up the street to church. Well, we would go to choir practice, but not where everybody else was. Uh, we would run up the street to where the church and the school were, and we would go hide on the playground while everybody else was practicing. And so Mrs. Fran and the assistants to the choir, they, they'd come out of church, they'd be calling our name, walking around, and we would stay hidden. I was that child. <laughs> and this actually worked a couple of times. Like, we stayed there the whole practice. And then, you know, we'd see what time it was, and we'd go home. Um, well, you know, after a while, they, they, they finally called, I can't remember if it was my mom or Joel's mom, it didn't matter. <laughs> they, they came into the, the parking lot of the church, and as soon as she got out of the car, you think she went to the church? You think she started walking around the church? No. Straight towards the playground. And it's like a mother's intuition, the Spirit of God, I don't know what it is, but she knew right towards the playground. And we waited until she was like on the wood chips before we surrendered and we had to go to choir practice. Um, yeah, but this, this wasn't our thing. You know, we didn't, we didn't want anything to do with this. Um, and, uh, but what, what was, you know, what I come to learn is that, you know, mom and dad, they, they knew where we needed to be. Um, they knew what we needed uh, to be doing. Um, not off by ourselves, not, uh, uh, you know, doing our own thing. We needed to be with the group, not playing on the playground. We needed to be singing with the rest of the other kids. And so this psalm, all of the psalms really, this one in particular, really shows us where we need to be and what it is we need to be doing with the group, giving praise and thanks to God as His people, building each other up, encouraging one another, calling one another to do this. And, and we need this as much as we may want to run from it or hide from it. Because we think we know better. Or maybe we think songs like this are really for those who know how to sing. <laughs> or for the more happy times in life. When it's easy to dance with joy, to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Um, but quite simply, the, the psalmist is calling us to give thanks, to celebrate who God is and what He will continue to be in our lives. Um, so it alternates between this call and the character of God, which is the rationale, the motivation for it. Um, so we're going to look briefly at those two parts, the call and the character of God uh, in this psalm. As we read this psalm, you can't avoid the number of commands that are there. There are at least six imperatives, six commands, make Serve, come, enter, give thanks, bless. Again, these are not good ideas, they're not suggestions. These are commands. An explicit call to make a joyful shout. To serve, come into the Lord's presence with singing. See, when, when my mom, or Joel's mom, I can't remember which one, when they came over to the playground, 
You know, do you think she was shouting, hey, take your time, guys. Whenever you're ready, come join us. No, no way. Come on, we need you here. This is where you belong, using your voice with this group. Making a joyful shout to the Lord, all the earth. I'm not exactly sure why the ESV went with noise in verse 1 there. It could be a little misleading as something undesirable or unpleasant. But most modern translations uh, will treat this as an exclamation, a shout for joy. All creation is to praise. All creatures shout just by being creatures made of God. This might be a little bit of a stretch theologically, but Francis of Assisi back in the 12th century He said, my sweet little sisters, birds of the sky, you are bound to heaven, to God, your creator, and every beat of your wings and every note of your songs, praise him. Have you seen the the book or read it to your kids? All God's creatures singing in the choir. Some sing low, some sing higher. It's it's all creatures praise uniquely. Um, But all peoples are called to praise. And, And sometimes we reference this verse as, as an encouragement to the more tonally challenged. Um, you know, some of us, you've heard, some, sometimes it's hard to carry a tune in a bucket. Um, but it's really not a banner verse for non-singers. Um, it's for all of us. This is a shout of, pra- of praise, a shout of allegiance to the King. Allegiance to the Lord of all. We can read parallels. Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Give to Him glorious praise. You know, when, you're, when your favorite team scores, which I realize living in Arkansas doesn't happen very often, um, but you, you typically give a shout of joy, right? An exclamation. Maybe you break into the alma mater, your team's fight song. It's a fanfare. Fanfare for all the earth with God's people right out in front holding the trumpets. It may sound like hallelujah, praise the Lord. He reigns to the King. Think of when Jesus rode into Jerusalem for that final time. What was the fanfare? What was the shout? Hosanna, save. So you don't have to carry a tune to shout hallelujah. Or he reigns. And this poetry flows right into verse 2, where all peoples are called to shout, to make a joyful harmony before the face of the Lord. This is our worship. Our praise is actually a service to God. You know, when you've, you've watched the, the face of a child, if, they, if mom or dad have been away for some time, maybe they've been on a trip or they're military and they've been on a, a TDY or deployed, and then they see this parent come through the door. Or maybe come through the gate at the airport. Their, their expression. They're ecstatic. Sometimes they just take off running. So happy to be in the presence again of the one that they love. That's what coming before the face of God with gladness looks like. We're ecstatic. We're delighted to be in His presence. appreciate one commentator's description coming into His presence with singing calls it, this is the thrill of liberation. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been hoping for. We're free. 
you're seeing the, the video of POWs from Vietnam. Once they were released, they were taking them to the airplane. It was very somber. They were very hesitant. Their faces were serious. And until they got the airplane, the airplane lifted off, and then it came over the radio, and they're told, you're, you've crossed into friendly airspace. Now they all shout. They were free. It was true. It was real. That's the cry of God's people. This is the cry of the redeemed. The Lord is victorious. He carries us home. Think of Isaiah 51. It says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. We have a freedom song, don't we? Singing that should get louder and louder as we get closer to the return of the Lord Jesus, seeing Him face to face. And we're one day closer now than we were yesterday. Our life is, our life is Christian. It's not just a convenient religion. Uh, if our Christianity is just a moral movement, and we're trying to obey enough to feel good about ourselves, or at least be satisfied that God feels good enough, then our service, our singing, is not going to be joyful. It's not going to be done with delight. There are way too many things that zap our joy, zap our delight. We're going to keep singing. We can do this with thanks. But we know we have a greater love. We have a greater strength, a greater hope. No greater joy than knowing God in Christ and being free as His very own, free from the shackles of sin for eternity. If that doesn't make your heart want to cry in praise and thanksgiving, then what will? God Himself puts a new song in our hearts and He infuses us with joy. Christians who are, are filled with the Spirit of God sing. They make melody in their hearts to the Lord. In our study of of the church, you get to the 18th century, the time of the Great Awakening. Maybe you've heard that term. Um, time where Jonathan Edwards was, was kind of out in front of this in uh, Massachusetts, along with a few others. And they recall how you know, the, the wave of the Spirit working in the hearts of, of men and women and children. And there was great repentance that followed from this. But what, do you, what else do you think followed? Well, it was singing. Lots of singing. Heartfelt, meaningful singing. Uh, you said that that was, that was renewed and vibrant among the people. So show me a group of God's people who have no desire to sing or don't believe that they have anything to sing about, and I'll show you a dead and dying church. We are called to give shouts of joy and sing together. We grow in this. We learn from one another by doing this. Singing takes our worldview and just works it right into our hearts. You know the power of this. shapes us. When we sing together, it, it, uh, it really shows our identity. Um, identifying a, a community, it's a way for individuals to identify themselves within a community. Just like that alma mater, a college fight song. So singing is, is very culture-forming. We're building a cultural memory 
uh, that generations can look to or fall back on in every season of life, in the good times and the hard times. Um, and there's a lot of other things that, that contribute to this, but the songs people sing really shape them. That's um, why so our music and the hymns and spiritual songs that we sing are so very important. And they reinforce the Word in our lives. Give us an appropriate response uh, to that Word. That's why choosing a collection of psalms and a hymnal uh, to fill the pews in front of you is an important uh, decision. It's something Heath and I have been thinking about um, for several months now, the session, we're good Presbyterians, the session's going to appoint a, a committee um, to come back with them, a recommendation uh, from a small group of hymnals, um, hopefully by the end of the year. We have to hope to have a recommendation by that, but I'll, I'll give an update uh, to you all at our congregational meeting on where we are in that or what decision has been made. But we're to give praise and thanks to the Lord uh, with good songs. We really do have a church choir here at Trinity, and I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And some of you have a more natural ability. Some of you are more trained, have a more developed musical taste, but here it all comes together. It all comes together. And sometimes there are physical reasons why we can't sing the way we would like to. We get that. Sometimes we're learning a song. We just need to, to listen to it, see how it goes. Sometimes we're so overcome with emotion that we just can't sing anymore. But sometimes we don't sing because we're lazy. Or we think we're doing those around us a favor by not singing. Right? But we're not. We need to, we need to hear each other's heart for the Lord, whether it's in, in tune or out of tune. And this has really got me thinking about you know, music in the church. I can't go on with this, but... We want to identify and cultivate the gifts that each one has within the church. But considering the importance and the power of music and, and, and singing and offering our praise to the Lord, how, how are we doing as a church? Isn't there an onus on the church to educate and grow musical taste? How are we doing as, as a church, big church, and this church in particular, in developing our ability to do what God commands? How are your children, grandchildren, learning good music? Uh, the hymns of the faith. You know, is singing part of your time together as a community group? And it doesn't have to be a half hour long you know, concert. Uh, it can be one verse of your favorite hymn. Maybe you sing it after you pray, before the meal, or before all the kids you know, go scatter to the winds. You sing together. Um, it's an important part of our spiritual formation and I know we're past Reformation time, uh, but here's what Luther has to say. I wish to see all arts, principally music, in the service of Him who gave and created them. Music is a fair and glorious gift of God. I would not for the world forego my humble share of music. Singers are never sorrowful, but are merry and smile through their troubles and song. Music makes people kinder, gentler, more staid and reasonable. I'm strongly persuaded that after theology there is no art that can be placed on a level with music. For besides theology, music is the only art capable of affording peace and joy of the heart. The devil flees before the sound of music almost as much as before the Word of God. Oh, that's a powerful, powerful testimony uh, to the importance of music and making a song. 
So the next set of commands in verse 4, these are all part of giving thanks and praise to the Lord. Enter, give thanks, bless. Can you picture the people walking through the gates of the temple and filling the court? So this is, this is outside in here. There, there's a real focus on the communal worship of God's people. Enter into His gates. It's the same word as come into His presence. With thanksgiving, with praise. Praise and thanksgiving are always going together. We praise God for who He is and all of His perfection. We thank Him for His provision, the benefits that we enjoy as His children. So you can keep flipping that coin back and forth. Praise, thanksgiving, thanksgiving, and praise. Psalm 106, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 111, Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. If we go towards the end of the Psalter, 138, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. Where there's praise to God, there is thanksgiving. Giving thanks to Him for all things. If we're not giving thanks to God for it all, can we really be described as a thankful people? Lord, I thank You for the food. I thank You for the work. I thank You for the school. I thank You for shelter. I thank You for friends. I thank You for a church home. But I'm not thankful for you know, the, the traffic jam before getting here. I'm not thankful for this allergy that keeps knocking me down. I'm not thankful for... You know, this person at work, or this other student at school, or the stack of bills. So we, we have two lists, right? Things we're thankful for, things we're not thankful for. Um, you know, on, on the drive, one of the drives home this last week, I was with my son, and he, he gave me a great reminder. He said, tonight was hard. Sometimes life is just hard. Um, and that pulled at my heart as a dad. But it was so true. Sometimes life is just hard. Um, you know, giving thanks to God is not just jumping for joy when hard things are smacking us around. Thanksgiving in our hearts, when our faces are full of tears, is to know that He is God, that He is good, that He knows the beginning from the end and how it all fits together. So we can give Him thanks for it all. We can pray and sing this way because He knows everything that we don't know. That's why we can do this. I've had a couple of long quotes here this morning, but here's another one I thought just really brings this home. Beautiful writer, also a priest in the Catholic Church, Henry Nouwen, says, We are only truly grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to the present moment. As long as we keep dividing our lives between events and people we would like to remember and those we would rather forget, we cannot claim the fullness of our beings as a gift of God to be grateful for. Let's not be afraid to look at everything that has brought us to where we are now and trust that we will soon see it in the guiding hand of a loving God. Let's not miss here whose gates we are entering. Let's not miss whose courts we come into with thanksgiving. I mean, this is is the presence of the Holy One into the holy temple of God. These are His gates, His courts. 
It is the Lord who grants access into this celebration of praise and thanksgiving. If you remember, the ceremonially unclean, they could not enter into worship with the people. The gates were closed to them. These gates are closed to all whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. So what is this Lamb? The writer of the Hebrews says that the people of God, the ones at the party with a song in their hearts, a song on, on their lips, they enter through a new and living way, through the curtain that is the flesh of Christ. And so Jesus said in John chapter 10 that He is the door. He is the gate. And so whoever would come into the presence of God must come through Him with thanksgiving. Those washed by the blood of Jesus have full access through the gates into the court and even further, right into the Holy of Holies. That's the access we have right now in Jesus. To go right into the throne room and and kneel before our God in praise and thanksgiving, giving Him all honor. That's what it means to bless His name there in verse 4. All this calling to praise and thanksgiving, it's motivated by the character of God. This is verse 3 and verse 5. Who God is, who we are, and our relationship to Him, it's beautifully summarized in just these few lines. Know that the covenant Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and not us. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. He's fashioned every one of us in the womb. We belong to Him, but the covenant Lord... That's what should be going through our minds as we read that capital L-O-R-D. The God who has chosen a people for Himself, binds Himself to them in covenant. He is the one who forms us. He is the one who makes His people. Brings us together collectively as His sheep. And so with the covenant Lord as our God, it was true for the Old Testament people of Israel. It is true for the church today. We have a special position, a privileged position position as sheep in His pasture. Shepherded by our Creator. Just think on that. What is a God like this who shepherds His people? We know that that dear Psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And yes, that's capital L-O-R-D. The covenant Lord who has chosen His people as a treasured possession leads us, feeds us, cares for us, protects us. Not one of His sheep will ever be lost. So we know, verse 3, we know the character of God in the face of Christ. And so we don't have to leave John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow Me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We are not our own. Our good shepherd knows us. Our covenant Lord has laid down His life for us, redeeming us through His own blood. Is that not reason to worship, church? To sing. To sing with thanksgiving. We've been made for this. The Lord has brought us together 
to show those around us what this looks like, what true humanity looks like, what people do when they come together who have been redeemed. They should shout for joy. Come before Him with praise and thanksgiving. Our covenant Lord is good, verse 5. Any concept we have of, of goodness, any appreciation we have of good things, any ability to distinguish between good and bad, that comes from God. All that is good finds its source in Him. His love, His faithfulness, steadfast, enduring. I mean, this is the, the stamp of the Old Testament. There, you can say, I, you know, I pound the pulpit. There's the stamp of the Old Testament. Right? Exodus 34 is a great example of this. God remains faithful and He renews His, his covenant the Lord passes before Moses and says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children, the children's children, to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped the deliverer of Israel. He alone is God. He alone can bring a people together, can constitute a people for Himself and keep them for Himself. The Lord is infinite in His strength. We've been talking through the kings in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom in the adult Sunday school and just one after the other and, and straying from the Lord and, and just the the ravaged wickedness among the people. They can't remain faithful. They can't hold on to the Lord. He holds on to them. I have this picture of you know, these guys running the American Ninja Warrior track and they're hanging by the rings and they're supposed to you know, crawl along with these rings. Well, this, this guy was completely spent. He was done. And the camera zoomed in on his hands and he's just you know, he's shaking and you just watch his fingers go and then he falls into the water. He was finished. He couldn't hold on. We can't hold on to the Lord in faithfulness. We can't hold on to each other in faithfulness on our own. But our God perseveres. He is the one who holds us. The kindness and, and mercy and fidelity of God, it knows no equal. He is the one who endures. So do you hear the expectation in this verse, this last verse? There's good reason for us to keep on singing. God's character is unchanging. What He is for us right now, as covenant Lord, He will be for us in the future. And look at His track record. We can count on it. Our worship, our praise and thanksgiving must continue as the choir of the redeemed. As, as that choir grows, uh, we spend time rehearsing now for eternity. One author and pastor, he makes a good point. He says, I think that all music, not just Christian music, is worship music. Every song is amplifying the value of something. Look at the trail of our time, our affections, our allegiance, our devotion, our money. That trail leads to a throne. And whatever is on that throne is what we worship. So he says, we're all doing a great job at this. Because God has created us to be worshipers. The problem is, is that a lot of us have really bad gods. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. So let's sing to the faithful one. 
to the one true and holy and good God. Not the bad gods that are thrown in front of us and we're so good at generating in our own hearts. Okay, we're on a different trail where our allegiance, our devotion, our affection is to the covenant Lord. So all of creation is called to praise the Lord. When He is known as, as Creator and Lord, He is worshipped. When He is known as the Good Shepherd and Savior, He is praised and thanked. His character moves us to song. So on that playground so many years ago, I didn't want anything to do with it. There was pride, fear, ignorance. You know, Salty could have his songs. Um, but the Lord in His tender mercy, through His church, through my parents, grandparents, gave me a new song to sing. He showed me where I belonged, in His courts, in His presence, with thankful singing. Is that where your heart is? Are you serving Him with joy, with thanksgiving? Dr. R.C. Sproul, he's a lot of sound teaching over the years. He's also written a few hymns. One of them is called These Great Things. Just listen to this beautiful uh, summary with Psalm 100 in your mind. How can it be this truth divine declared by God above that all things by His grand design work good for us by love? What shall we say to these great things of mystery sublime that if He is for us, we can sing now and for all time? Let's pray together. Lord, You have put a new song in our hearts through the Lord Jesus Christ. Continue to work that song, the song of the redeemed, the song of freedom from the sin that enslaves us, freedom from all that would pull us away from You. Lord God, capture us, renew us, stir within us a shout of joy, a song of praise and thanksgiving that we might do what You've called us and made us to do as Your people. Guide us in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.